Welcome into another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball, where we find the best tools to build the best players. On this episode, we have a very good friend of mine, Marcus Davis. Marcus and I actually grew up in, in Cincinnati together, played against each other. He ended up going on and, and playing, uh, finishing his collegiate career at Florida State University, was on a super regional team, Was also played junior college baseball at, at Walter State in Tennessee, which is a, a very good JUCO program. And now he's a, he's a hitting coach. He works with a lot of hitters in the, in the private sector, but he also is the head coach of the Midland Braves, which is a very good travel baseball team um, and, and very nationally known brand in Midland baseball, Mid- the Midland organization. So he brings a wide variety uh, of really good content in this episode because we talk about college recruiting and working with high school players and parents and expectations. And then we also get into some hitting as well. So great stuff. Um, if if um, you want to follow him on Twitter, it's underscore the hitting MD. So on Twitter, it's underscore the hitting MD. Again, he's great content. I love where his mind's at when it comes to hitting and, and a lot of the things that he works on when he's um, in the cage with players. If you haven't already, uh, one of the things that um, I really have loved doing and maybe potentially will do it again is um, you know another, another live webinar. The last one I did was with Jared Gaynor, who is the Minnesota Twins minor league pitching coach. And so he talked a little bit about how to help pitchers throw more strikes. And so we did a presentation, and then I did my presentation on how to help hitters swing at better pitches. So if you head to patrickjonesbaseball.com slash coaches and put your name and email in, you'll automatically be sent the presentation that we both did. It's about 45, 50 minutes long, and it's all free. So patrickjonesbaseball.com slash coaches, and you'll be sent the free presentation of, of our live, of our not live anymore, of the replay of our live webinar. Ladies and gentlemen, here is now my episode with Marcus Davis. All right, we are now live. Uh, Marcus Davis, head coach, Midland Braves. Appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. So you've been doing summer baseball now for a couple years with Midland, which is nationally known. I know you played for Midland growing up. We'll eventually get into that. But so far, like, what's been your experience, you know, coaching, coaching really travel baseball the last couple of years? Well, it's been interesting. Um, it's interesting because the kids, I think, are a lot better than what we were you know, when we were going through it. And it's it's interesting also being on the other side of it because now I know what a college coach is saying, what, you know, a pro scout thinks about a player and, and thinks about talent evaluation and stuff like that. So it's been interesting just trying to, you know, kind of convey the, the proper message without – either tearing the kid down too much or building them up too much. Just, you know, I'm learning at the same time that they are and trying to put them in a, in a good position, you know, for their present and their future. What, what are you looking for? I know, you know, travel baseball is – it's expanded like crazy, but what are you looking for when it comes to just players on, on your team? Like, obviously, you, you can't take everybody. Like, what type of players are you looking for? Um, you know – we don't we don't shy away necessarily from the talent aspect of it. Like you know, we have trials. We we look for guys, all that stuff. But it's really you know, the question that you try to get answered as soon as possible is like, how serious are you? Um, because it, it's one thing to just kind of show up and do the tournaments and and all that stuff, and there's a place for it. But I think that one of the things that Midland's always kind of been really good at is is trying to develop you, trying to get you to feel what a, a day's worth of practice is actually like and then play a game after it in some cases. Or, um, you know, seeing an arm that you've never seen, like it's going to be a rough day, right? And just those things that, you know, will translate further for you down the road is just giving you that like initial nudge, like, hey, this is, if you want to do this, this is what it's actually like. 
One of the reasons that I, I thought it would be really cool to, to get you on the podcast is, you know, growing up, you know, we're the same age, graduated high school, same year, 2010, and you were like a, a big prospect, big time prospect, had a ton of offers. And the reason why I, I, I say that um, before my, I kind of ask the question is because these days it seems that there's a, probably way more kids feeling that they're a top prospect when they're not actually, but because of how early a lot of the recruiting is and social media and stuff like that. And so I guess what I'm, what I'm asking is, how, how did you handle the hype? It was a lot easier than I think um, the kids have to deal with now. Um, you know, we had MySpace in middle school and, yeah. and, and <laughs> Facebook in high school, that's about it. Um, but I think, you know, there just wasn't that much attention on it. Um, I'm sure you did the same, but, you know, we put the bat down and, and played another sport. And um, just really between having time away from it and then also being able to um, just be around better players, right? Like, I think Midland was really good because uh, – the first day I showed up, there's, you know, four or five outfielders, including me, and I'm like, there's three spots. Like, how does this yeah. work, right? So, even with, you know, some of the success I had in high school and, and all that stuff, it was still humbling to be on the field with um, some guys that end up in the big leagues, some guys that play in the SEC, and, and I think that was – what kept me grounded and you know my dad wasn't gonna let that happen yeah any other way yeah. either way so do you do you see that though with other kids nowadays where they they get some attention and then they they maybe get a little bit complacent they stop working because they get maybe get an offer really early on from big schools or they get hyped up and then the parents start believing the hype too and it's kind of like they now expect the red carpet yeah i think what happens is they get exposed to some of the the downsides to travel baseball in my opinion so if if you know we have a kid just a hypothetical we have a kid around here that you know gets a couple of offers when he's young it becomes about um hey this national team wants you to play and travel around and, and play with them and you know this team wants you to and it's free and we take care of everything and I've always kind of thought, like, it should be the opposite. So um, I was joking with one of my buddies, you know, I don't have a son yet, but if I do, if he's, you know, good enough to commit early, I think I would take him out of travel ball, right? Mm -hmm. I think that unless there was a situation where I knew he was getting developed, right? And I think if, you know, player A gets an offer to a power five school when he's in eighth grade, he needs to get in the cage. He needs to get in the weight room. Uh, whatever pitchers work on, I don't know any of that yeah, stuff. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> just just how can you set yourself up to when you walk in the door? One, you prove that the coaches that recruited you were right. But most importantly, it's like we none of us went to college, like, you know, to sit for two years and then – get a taste for one year and then start for one year. It's like, how do I get in the lineup immediately? So the kids that lock their spots up sooner should probably travel less, right? And the ones that are – who think they are worthy of playing, you know, college baseball in any capacity should probably travel more, mm -hmm. right? And not more at the expense of development, more as in, like, I'm, you know, getting two or three solid practices in a week. I'm taking care of my body. I'm still working out. And then on Thursday morning, we can drive to, you know, the, the places Atlanta for, for travel ball, but drive to, you know, a Florida trip, South Carolina, Kentucky, wherever it is. And then you can show something that could get you that, that offer or, you know, a visit or whatever case may be. That's good advice, man. I've, I've never thought of it that way, but it makes complete sense. Like, why do you need to be traveling all over the country if you've, you're already really good and getting offers at a young age? 
I mean, it doesn't make I don't any know. sense. So it, I mean, if I guess, well, I guess I'm sure their response or maybe those teams' response would be uh, competition. They're yeah. trying to face the best competition. So what would you say to if that's their if that's why they're doing it? So I I think that baseball's kind of blossomed to where you can get really good competition. You know, two hour radius. So you know, I don't want to start anything naming names, but around mm-hmm. here, there's probably between here. Indiana, Kentucky, there's seven, eight organizations that um, I think you get a good game, whether it's their 16-year-old team, 17-year-old team, 18-year-old team. So if we spent that time, you know, getting better, then it's let's say, hey, this week I want every count you're going to start behind. and We're just going to work on a pro, uh, at-bats behind in the count, right? So if, if we're controlling it, let's say, hey, when this kid comes up, it's 0-1. Like, now you have something that is going to benefit him while he's still having that competition. It's not just, here's our schedule, I hope we get a good arm that day. Mm-hmm. So there is, I mean, and that's better travel ball tournament, so there, there are – tournaments where that expectation raises, like you'll probably get more good games than bad, but you're, you're leaving it up to chance at that point to where, I mean, you see it. I mean, how many kids are committed around here? Like if if there was a way to just kind of keep everybody closer and, you know, still keeping it competitive, I think there'd be more benefit for it. That's, yeah, interesting. How do you go about – Finding the like choosing the tournaments that you you guys are going to play in. So, part of it is just you know name, but uh, it's really word of mouth. Um, we kind of have a little community of coaches. It's like, hey, I saw you went there last year. How was it? And um, like the big ones are you know the big travel showcases. Like I said, Atlanta. Like everybody's there. And, um, yeah, it's just trying to keep it competitive, right? And then fit in. For us, like when we have um, around Robins, there's plenty of schools there, and trying to make sure that you know they get good competition, they get exposure, and they get to sleep in their bed at night. Are you guys able to practice during during the summer? Mm-hmm. How does that work with the travel schedule and during the week? And because you hear so many guys, so many players, and and teams where there's it's just tournaments, man. Yeah, you know. So we try to um, at least get one in. Uh, say we earn the tournament from Thursday to Sunday. Probably try to practice either Monday or Tuesday. Um, address things that have gone on, and just try to. You know, keep them moving and in, in, in the habit of, of doing baseball when it's not just games. If um, we can't find games during the week, then we'll practice again. Because, I mean, you did it in college. I did it in college. You inner squad yeah. so much. Like, that's what practice is. Yeah. And if we can get a rep that doesn't involve, you know, playing by the, the rules of the game, Hey, let's do that one over. Like, we messed that one up. We're going to do the exact same thing. That's when they start learning. So, we do a decent job of at least getting out there once. Sometimes it's twice, depending on if we find that other game. But we're fortunate um, with the uh, organization having enough teams to where we just kind of reach out to each other. Yeah, and so. you guys got good facilities and fields and stuff. Yeah. Now, you played at, at junior col- in junior college, Walter State, and then you went on to Florida State. So you went from a junior college to, I mean, a power five school, like one of the more nationally known in Florida State. What was the competition difference? Because you did very well at Florida State. So it wasn't like you went from like here to up here and then your, your production really dropped off. And so the reason I, I want to ask that is because you hear of kids, they don't want to go JUCO or D3 or whatever because competition. Mm-hmm. So when I was um, at, at Walters, I'd say that like Friday night guys most of the time were, you know, Division One bound. There's a couple guys that got drafted out of there. Um, 
And then Saturday, depending on uh, who or where we were playing, and then Sunday is, you know, we got a little, little dicey depending on the team. But, again, going back to the inner squad thing, if you are at a good junior college, like you'll get more from the inner squads than you do the game. Mm. So, so your guys' pitching was really good, so you were able to develop mm-hmm. that way. So I think in the two years I was there, we probably had I don't know, five or six guys that went on to play Division One baseball, and then other ones that played at, at different levels. So um, I'd say that obviously, you know, a Sunday guy in the ACC compared to a Sunday guy in um, junior college is, is probably a pretty wide gap. But I don't think that junior college – deserves the rapid gets. I wish we'd come up with a, like a different name for it instead yeah. of like <laughs> But um, there's just a lot of really good baseball players that need time to develop. They got to get their grades right. They haven't played enough baseball. They developed late and it's the only option they got. And there's always going to be more baseball players than there are spots. So, you know, I'm an advocate for junior college, but I try to tell kids, it's like, it's, you're choosing baseball at that point, and there's nothing wrong with it. Because, you know, if you want to go to a four-year school and follow track academically, it's a little bit more difficult at junior college. Uh, don't shy away from that, but... What do you mean by that? So, if, like, example is if... Uh, when I was at Florida State, the business school accepted kids after their um, sophomore spring or during their sophomore spring. So if I went to school, right? So when I got to the Florida State, they were like, you could get into business school, but you basically got to, like, just kind of hang out for a year and take whatever courses. And I just wasn't interested in that. Mm. So chose a different route. But um, as far as – the junior college part of it, if if it's really about getting as far as you can, right, and you have to choose between, um, you know, a mid-major, there's nothing wrong with that, or, or a Division two school that's a four-year, or a junior college. It's like, if you, if you look at the Omaha roster, right, you look at these, you know, Power Five, even Strickland in the mid-major a little bit, I mean, it's probably – third of the roster, maybe a little less, but a, a good portion of their roster are junior college kids. So if you can buy yourself some time, like maybe you're not a a Division One player now, but with a year of weights and fall practice and 55 games and then a summer playing – you know, Great Lakes, like you coached, or I coached in the Northwoods. You might be a D1 guy by then, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I think there's some security in, like, finding a four-year school. But at the same time, you know, there's not – I mean, you lived it. There's not a lot of security in, in baseball anyway, no, no like, <laughs> like past high school. So if you – if it's about baseball, seeing how far you can get, then junior college probably should be on the table. Speaking of not much security – I don't think that the average player or even parent out there it really grasps that you know this for these college coaches this is their livelihood. Yeah. So they're trying to win games. So if if they don't think you can help them win games, they're not interested anymore. Your kid could be the nicest kid in the world. He could be trying to solve climate change for all that matters, right? Yeah. Or whatever. I don't want to get into that, but <laughs> <laughs> but. I mean, do you see that where it's like some people are just delusional into thinking that, well, everybody should want my kid. You got to take a step back and be like, that's awesome that you love your kid. I wish more people loved their kids as much as you love your kid, and I believe that. But these guys are trying to win games. That's how they feed their family. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, parents and and players, they they don't know what they don't know. Um, And if you – It's such a crass business. Like, there's no easy way to say it without it. I mean, I know you felt that moment where you're like, wow, like, 
they don't want me no more. Right. Oh like, yeah. Like that. Like that. That's like a punch to the gut. Like, and it's not even that I want to, you know, spend that much time trying to prepare them for when it happens. But it, like you said, like, you know, if we took it out of baseball and you sat the parent down and you're like, hey, your how you feed your kids is dependent on how these two interns do their jobs, right? You'd be watching them like a hawk. You'd be making sure they're productive or you would find interns that are, right? So going back to there being more baseball players than there are spots, what you end up with is, you know, on a random college baseball roster, if I have to choose between, let's say, two kids that both throw 95, and one of them has been through two years of junior college, right? And the other one is a freshman that's still trying to figure it all out. One of them has faced college hitters, and one of them has not. Then it's, it's an easy choice, right? So when it comes to trying to figure out this whole recruiting deal, which is hard because it's literally different for every it's, single it's person. It's subjective, yeah. But it's like how do we lay out the facts and then – can you make the decision that is reasonable, is logical? Like I, I am like you always hear like bet on yourself, right? I'm with it, but you have there's so much work that goes into betting on yourself. So like if, if you aren't somebody who can stare failure in the face, stare stare rejection in the face over and over again, then trying to get as as high as you can is going to be difficult. Because somebody's going to say, nah, we're good, right? Or I'm going to go with this guy. And when it really starts to kind of get at you, is is not necessarily when the older guys are the ones that are getting the innings or the at-bats. It's when the new younger guys mm. that come in get those at-bats and those innings because, you know, they were going to be a draft guy and they ended up going to school or – this dude was at a bigger school and now he's coming to this one so he can play. And like, there's just more that goes into it than just like your recruiting class and who's at the school already. And it's just, it's a lot. Like it's just, you're moving and and shaking in a lot of different directions. And if you don't have help, right? Somebody who's kind of gone through it, then it gets really difficult. Well, how, I mean, like you said, you don't know what you don't know. How can you expect these parents and players to to know what it's like? Like I don't blame – it's funny, we just, the coaches I know, we kind of have conversations about some of the things that we've heard parents say. And I don't really blame the kids. I don't blame the parents because, I mean, I didn't know any of this stuff. Right? When I was 18, I didn't know any of this. Um, but having been on the other side of it, the only thing that, you know, frustrates me, if if anything, is – if you build up trust with, with somebody and then you start telling them, hey, this is what's going on, and then they go, I don't, right? Like, I don't want to hear that. Mm. Because then it's like, hey, I tried. And, you know, if a relationship's ours because of it, then that's what it has to be. But you're trying to set these kids up to have an enjoyable college experience. Like, that is – probably at at the ethos of of why I still do this. It's like, try to get as much as you can out of baseball, have an enjoyable experience. Because, you know, I played with guys at Florida State who were there for four years. They got 35 at-bats, and they don't like baseball anymore, (laughs) right? Or like a pitcher that got 20 innings in three years. Like, sure. If you go to a big school and that school wins their conference tournament or Omaha, whatever, they get a ring, right? That ring only matters if it, the memories that you get from it, like, warm you up, mm. right? So if you just got a a ring and you weren't really a part of the team, that's cool. Yeah. Put it away and never think about it again, mm. right? But if you get one and – you know, the day you get it, 
your group chat's going crazy or like, you know, you're reaching out to somebody you haven't talked to in forever, then it's really, it's something to it, right? Like that's the cool part of it. And I don't, I don't think those two things kind of align. It's like the same way that, you know, you could win, I could have won an ACC championship, we didn't. Or, you Close, know, I mean, you guys are the regional, right, though, that year? Won the Supers that year. Super regional, yeah. yeah. Um, but if, you know, if somebody's at a D3 school and they do get a ring, like, they matter the same to the individual. Right, because you're part of the team. You have exactly. Yeah. So, you know, enjoyable for me. If, if I had to go back, it's playing, right, and having teammates that I can call or – you know, if I'm in a city, I can reach out. Hey, want to go grab dinner? Or, you know, the ones that keep playing, you're like, hey, are you here? Yeah. Yeah, grab dinner after. Like, that's the stuff that I don't think the teenager thinks about. That's probably what most of us are going to get out of this. Yeah. Anyway, it's more relationships than, like, you know, financial gain. And experience like that. and – that's yeah. That's I'm so glad you brought that up. It's funny that yeah you brought that up because what comes to my mind, and the listeners of the podcast will definitely remember. You know, I sometimes reference this is you know I played in the Pecos League, which is literally the lowest level of probably any type of baseball really, and we won the championship that year. Yeah. And so you know this is very Pecos League. They didn't send me one ring. They sent me two rings on accident, which is so, <laughs> Pecos, so Pecos League. But I have both of those rings. And to your point is like. I was on the team, you know, I got at bats, I, you know, I, I felt a part of that, you know, and so um, I had Shane Sharkey on the podcast not that long ago, he was coaching, not that long ago, he was coaching junior college baseball at Brookhaven College in, in Texas, and he was on that championship team, so I'm so glad you brought up that point of, of, fe- of that feeling of like, I, I'm, I'm a part of something that's bigger than me, and like, I, I matter, versus cool. the guy getting 10 at bats over four years, and yeah, they played at Florida State, but now they want nothing to do with baseball. They, they hate it. Yeah. I mean, you think about it. Like, we don't get – like, do you get team atmosphere anywhere else? Like, even, you know, me coaching, it's, it's not nearly the same as when you're playing. So – I miss it, yeah. Oh, I mean, it's just like to have, you know, 30, 30 other guys and you guys are trying to solve this problem together. Like, yeah. whatever it is, yeah. right, whatever level, it's just like – you know, we got our coaches and we got that dynamic and then, you know, dealing with the strength coach, ex- everything else that goes with it. But it's like at the end of the day, you know, 710, 640, whatever time, here's the lineup, here's who's hot, we're going to try to figure this out today. You don't get that. Like, I haven't found it anywhere since I've stopped playing. I don't think I will find it. But it's just like of all the things I miss, it's, it's not, you know, like – it is games to some extent, but it's really just like sitting in the locker room at 11 a.m. waiting for 1 a.m. Pra- or 1 p.m. practice, excuse me, and playing cards, mm-hmm. being on the bus, and you know, playing, watching a dumb movie, like stuff like that. Is whenever I think about baseball, those are the things that come up. It's not like you know how good I looked in my the Florida cool State gear you got, yeah, yeah, like all that stuff. Yeah. Just, so my next question for you is, and this is kind of a little bit what we've been talking about. You went from JUCO to Florida State, like we had mentioned before, and we had just talked about how it's not the same experience if you have 20 at-bats over four years, even if you're at a big school. So why did you, why did you decide to go to a, a Power 5 school, Florida State, one of the best in the country over the past you know 20 years or whatever it is, over a place where – you know, you knew you would be the dude right away. Betting on myself. Oh, okay. Right? So it it wasn't necessarily, you know, that I thought that I was, you know, above uh, some of the mid-majors that reached out after junior college or anything like that. It was just, you know, I wanted to try to get to the big leagues. So if that meant – failing somewhere I wanted it to be the highest level first and then you know if I went there and if I didn't make if I didn't make the starting lineup or I played but didn't perform well I'm not gonna play pro ball anyway Mm. so 
and and again, a little different than compared to now because social, all it's easier to. And to you be were found. already you already had performed at junior college, which is good good baseball. It wasn't yeah. like you went from high school. So if you went, let's just say you have a player who you think is maybe is not ready for a power five, like they're not, but they're maybe they they got a couple offers. Mm-hmm. Does your mind go, I, I think he might be that guy who gets 20 at-bats over four years? So, I think that one of the things that has kind of helped me with this transition is not making the prediction. Um, so, when somebody tells me they're going there, it's like, I just judge your work. That'll tell you. Like, And sometimes people's work habits change as they get older. Like, that part is true, but... I'm sure you've seen it dealing with some of the guys you dealt with where it's like that dude's really talented and if everything goes well, he's going to play three years and, you know, have a great time. But if there's some some adversity, then you just walk away. Like mm-hmm. I, You see it on both sides. So I don't think, you know, anybody has the, the crystal ball when it yeah. comes to, like, how are they going to end up. It's just like I know, you know, 6 a.m. lifts – and, you know, 95-mile-an-hour left-handed relievers and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, so it takes – you know, you got to be a little crazy to hit and or even on the mound. Like, I think, like I said, if you work and you got the habits, try to get as far as you can. Because you know? at the end of the day, you don't want to be the one that, you know, played scared, for lack of a better phrase, and – like, man, I probably could have went to this school instead, but I was just – I wanted to make sure everything was perfect. But if you are somebody who's not interested in, you know, the hard stuff, the um, inevitable looking at in the mirror at, like, 2 a.m., like, do I want to do this? Yeah. All right, the, the first 28B slump, whatever. Then maybe it's like, how do I just – Make sure I have that enjoyable experience. Um, take anything too serious. Get the degree I want. All that stuff. What about if you have a, a player who he has maybe, uh, and maybe this is a little bit different now because of the transfer portal and things like that. But he maybe he has like a mid major, some mid major offers, Division one offers. But man, he wants to like you know he's he's bet he wants to bet on himself. He wants to play in the big league, so he wants to play the highest level of college baseball. Mm-hmm. So what if his thing is, you know what, I think I might go to JUCO for a year and then try to transfer, but he already has Division One offers. It's, it's a bold like it's a bold move. Yeah. Like, it's, but I almost made that move. I know. And it's hard, isn't yeah. it? Like it's it's something that I don't think is for everybody and it's just because of how uncertain it is. Yeah. Right? Get hurt. Anything, yeah. right? Like, you know, life happens and no idea what what could change. But, again, previous that previous talk, if I believe in your work habits, then I'm going to say go to junior college. You'll figure it out, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And it might not be in the first year. It might be in the second. But it's still two years at whatever school you want if everything goes right. And even though – you aren't at the university for four years. You're in the baseball program for two years. Um, there are guys that are at those schools now that really aren't – like they got the uniform and they do all the practicing, but when it comes down to am I going to throw this guy in the game, they don't. Yeah. So not till they get older. So if if somebody were to approach me like, hey, I have this – I want that. I want to go to junior college. Well, f- the first thing would be, like, with the portal, it's obviously its own issue, but do you think that you could put numbers up at, the, at one of these four years and then leave if that's your prerogative? If the answer is yes, then, I mean, then junior college is, doesn't – it doesn't have – it's not either or, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And And then you still leave the option of going to junior college – after your first year or whatever, if you want to do that. So the, the transfer portal has changed it a little bit, but I think it all will just boil back down to, like, do you believe that, like, your work habits and your ability to, to, 
to work through some adversity is going to work in your favor or not. Yeah. And I like what you had said earlier, too, about how there's no, it's, it's very subjective, right, this whole recruiting thing, because yeah. it's based on each individual player, what their goals are, like, or what they want to study, or where they're at right now. Are they a corner guy? Are they up the middle? Are they pitcher? I mean, there's so many different elements to it. And I think for a lot of them, you just you got to be patient and just keep working, you know. And I think, you know, not to name names, we just saw a kid, you know, around here who is a senior and just committed to a, a D1 school, right? And so it's spring. It's almost May of a senior year in 2022, which it seems that you don't hear this very often. He just just committed to a, a Division One program. So if you love it, continue to do it. Yeah. You know, um, it's just trying to that's where the social part kind of gets guys in trouble is because you see this instant for some kids, it's instant, right? Like they the the time where they're allowed to receive offers, that period opens up, they get five offers, they decide on their school, they move on. Right. So if you see that and you're not one of those kids, you think, well, how do I? fix it quick so that they call my name, which is, again, teenage brain is how it works. And you feel like you're running out of time. But, and again, baseball is so long, like 140 games in the minor league season, 160 games in the big league season. Uh, even, I mean, college baseball, even though they don't play every day, I mean, it's – so what, sixteen weekends or something? Yeah, like that? Yeah. Something like it's a long time. Yeah. So you have to really just like devote yourself to working like while it's silent to really get what you get out what what you want out of it. So when you have, you know, examples like the one you said, it, it's not surprising because you kind of see it happening. Mm -hmm. Right, because they keep working. Yeah, like there's there's not a coach on um, planet Earth right now, baseball coach that will look at a good player and be like, "Oh, we're good," mm -hmm. <laughs> and not just be like, "Well, what if we? What if I talk to compliance about his grades, and then what if you know, whatever they whatever strings they can pull to try to get that dude on campus, or or." And this is, I hate to say it, I've seen this before too. They drop somebody else. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like it, it's a sad part of it, but business, right? So if you can work and understand that it's worth it, whether, you know, you end up at, you get that, that call for a Division One school late, or you got to go to a different school and, Maybe work your way back up into Division One, or however it works. Like in the end, the the work has to be rewarding, and then if you're patient with it, you'll get the results you're looking for more times than not. I wanna I wanna transition now because you're obviously a hitting coach too. You work with a lot of hitters in the, in the private sector. How do you go about helping your own guys? Maybe we'll just start out on your team in a, in a team setting right now. Um, so right now I don't have them. Um, they're all doing their high school deal. Um, as far as when the you know, summer starts for travel ball, it's really like how do we get you as competitive as we can, as fast as we can, right? Because, again, you have a lot of kids who have some ability, but, you know, maybe they haven't had the resources that some other kids have, or they grew three inches last year, or they put some weight on, or they you know started caring a little bit more about baseball, whatever. So when we're in season, it's it's not we don't want to just feel like we're throwing them to the wolves and hopefully some school see, sees some random occurrence and then we can go from there. It's like, hey, this is you know one of the things that we're going to try to do for, and we try to tear them a little bit. You know, the guys are project to be big bats, the guys that are, you know, speedsters, X, Y, Z. But it's like, can we set you up to where, you know, we're playing a good team and I know ahead of time that there's five or six schools that are going to be there 
and put you in a position to where at a minimum, like at the end of the day, you know, I'm talking to one of them after they go, hey, tell me about that kid. So it's like we have to give them something to sell first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we ha- that sale is always going to be like in-game production. Like I, I have not had a conversation with a, a college coach that has been, hey, what's his X velocity? Okay, good. Like it's <laughs> always something him. else. Yeah. Like it is, can he do it in game? Can he, like, how is he in the field? You know, all that other stuff. So we spend a good amount of time on the hitting side, just trying to make, you know, small adjustments because we don't have the time to, you know, get in, tear it down, and build it back up. That's kind of what the fall winter's for. But something small here or there if we see it. A um, lot of approach stuff. So then when they get those opportunities, they can kind of do something with them. So what about in the fall and in the winter? Again, I know you work with not just the guys on your own team, but a lot of other players too, At you know, college guys, high school players. H- how's that process go for you? Is there a system you have when it comes to working with guys? or So around – they play so long now. Like around November, December is when the high school guys start entering back in. And we take some time to kind of assess where they are physically, um, you know, from a mobility standpoint, but just like, you know, setting up a, a, a launch monitor, seeing what they hit and all that good stuff. But in the off season, I – just have always kind of been a, a big believer of like if we can change one thing physically and one thing mentally, then you will see a gain that is as good or better than us sitting with um, some bat speed trainers and just seeing can we raise your extra velocity. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying there's no benefit to that. Um, I think there are uh, a lot of kids who need it. But for the the kind of kids that I've been fortunate enough to work with on the high school level, the majority of them have enough bat speed, right? And it's like, well, how do we take what you do well, right, and either keep it the same, make it a little bit better, but here's these issues that I see in-game or when we crank the machine up, what if we just fix those? Mm. So I'm not – there is some science to it. Like, we, you know, try to get them to move better and um, some corrective exercises if they need it. But for the most part with high school, with the, the guys that I'm fortunate to have, it's like you are a small adjustment away from having a lot more success than what you're used to. Yeah, because at some point you have – you have enough. I mean, I hate to say, I mean, of course you could always get stronger. Like, I get that. Not everyone's John Carroll Stanton. But, you know, if, if you're hitting baseballs over 100 miles an hour, probably don't need to set aside just an hour focused solely on, on bat speed training, right? I think there's, yeah. you could find a lot more productive things to do when it, uh, to become a better hitter than just try to get 103 or 104. You know what I mean? And I think you playing professional baseball – you, you know, that's where that experience really helps. And I think that the the issue that a lot of kids run into because of what they see on the Internet is just that it's either or, right? And it's like it's never been like that. Like I played with guys who needed to hit the ball harder, like absolutely. But when they tried to, it was just a strikeout fest, right? So, like, you know, we didn't have all this information, so it's like how do we do it in that setting? But what I don't want is for you to spend so much time trying to reach a number, right? So you trick a school, Mm. and then you show up and you can't do anything. Mm -hmm. So – the first thing is, you know, how do we hit the ball hard? And then how do we make it consistent? I don't think it's like some profound statement. Right. But, like, I, I do a lot of preaching, like, your average exit velocity off of this machine, off of these breaking balls when you go backside, as opposed to it just being, you know, 
we're going to run it up this way and then or the flip side the guys that don't like to use it like I don't just you know just be in the middle just use the old the the old way we did it and also use the new stuff new stuff's pretty cool too yeah what one of the things that I have tested in here is you know I, I have a lot of uh, you know some major league baseballs and then I have just some regular balls over time and I've had players, you know, kind of go back and forth. And on on the hit tracks I have in here, literally seven to eight miles an hour difference between wow. major league baseballs and just. And so I, when I'm saying this, and maybe I'll I'll get some flack for this or whatever from people is. And I and I saw this in my year in professional baseball too with the with the baseballs that they use is. What you see on TV is guys hitting baseballs 110, even if they're 115. This is just my theory on it and what I've seen and what I've done in my cage with, you know, the regular high school baseballs and then professional major league baseballs is you can take about seven or eight miles an hour off of some of those balls, home runs that are being hit at the major league level. Mm -hmm. So going back to what we're talking about is, you know, you, if you can hit a baseball 100 miles an hour with just some, you know, regular high school baseballs, that's kind of equivalent to like 107, 108 if you put in some new baseballs in there. From what I've seen, and again, maybe it's a small sample size, but I have major league baseballs and I have regular baseballs, and I've now test. There's a reason why a lot of these facilities, when they do like exit velocity testing, they, they will bring in start bringing in new baseballs or they'll bring in, you know, like major league baseballs and the ball just flies. Yeah. And so I think there's a, you know, you got to be careful of, of comparing yourself to some of these guys. And of course you want to be better and push yourself too. But uh, if you were all using some of those baseballs, your numbers would be higher. That's interesting. Um, you know, I, I'll probably get an email from MLB about yeah, that. Yeah, I'm sure you will. You get to <laughs> deal with that, not me. Um, I really like it. It. I remember how hard those baseballs were. Like when I was playing, I don't know. You know, they've changed them you know, three, four times now. But the the thing that I always kind of go back to when whenever we are discussing exit velocity with a kid, or it's like those dudes. I can assure you are not moving nearly as fast as they could. Like as far as like. Over swinging and yeah. yeah, so you know, and the other thing, it's like if you got the chance, like if you ever get in a room with somebody, you'll understand it, right? Like, one, they're grown men, like you're 16, 17, 18 years old, um, and two, there are the biggest grown men. It's like I've been joking, the Yankees are like a, a football team, man, like, <laughs> like pitchers position players, they're just a big team. So when you see we talked about Stanton, right? You see him, I mean, what, six six? Six six. Like no body fat, just a massive no, human. Nobody being. like I don't think that you trying to build your game up to be his is going to reap the same reward. Right? And if you, you know, look at the flip side of it, and not to say that these dudes aren't strong, but the smaller guys that still hit homers, like that is is more of what I want these kids to to see and to try to emulate because those dudes can hit the ball hard, mm-hmm. right? But they know that the quality of their contact is more important than, you know, trying to run that number up. So there's, like I said, every situation is a little different. But whatever ball it is for me, if you can hit it 95, then we can move on. Yep. Like, as long as it's off of a, a pitch, you know, <laughs> not <laughs> like a tee or a soft yeah. toss. If you can hit a ball 95 with some, some sort of velocity, then we can move on. Like, And, you know, I don't – shy away from it. If somebody comes in, they're like, hey, I need to hit the ball harder. Like, and they hit it hard, then we say, well, why do you feel like that? Mm-hmm. And nine times out of ten, it comes down to something that has nothing to do with them actually swinging the bat faster. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. It's like you're trying to pull these, these kids in different directions, and it's 
they see one thing, but they don't understand like the underlying reasons behind it. So then they just go full speed at that thing, and it doesn't get them the results that they thought it would. Yeah, that's great, man. I tell you what, this is one of the reasons I you know wanted to have you on because I knew you've had experience as a player, coach, you know, travel baseball, hitting coach in the private side. And, and you, you understand that, you know, what's really important in hitting, right? Yeah. What's really important in helping kids. And, um, you know, I think you do a really good job as, as a hitting coach working with guys. I've seen you work with guys in the cage. So I guess what I'm going to say is, you know, how can – I know it's, it's, you know, kids are playing this time of year, but even so, right, I think we've, you've, if there's one thing you should take away from this, it's, it's not always about the volume. Right, it's not always about trying to hit the ball harder and, and doing a lot of work in the cage. A lot of times, it's about just having good converse, conversations with the coach and getting him so you have that right approach. So, what's the best way for someone to contact you if they want to hit with you or you know try out for your team or like what's the best way to get a hold of you? Um, so on my Twitter, it's fine. It's uh, at underscore the hitting MD. Um, that's pretty much the easiest way to get at. Uh, some information I'm on that web on that app too much as it is. Me too, yeah. But um another thing that, you know, I'll just kinda say for anybody who is struggling at the plate, it's it's weird. Like I whether they're um, you know, a college guy that I've had or pro guy that comes in or a nine year old. I literally asked him, like, as far as the cookie cutter goes, this is the only thing that I feel like I cookie cut. It's like, do you see the ball well, and can you get your swing off easily? And you'd be shocked at, like, how many times people will tell you, like, when I get my foot down, it feels like I have to exert so much energy to swing a baseball bat. Mm. And it's like, if you can't see it and you can't – at some point, that machine or that arm is going to move too fast. So if you, you know, don't have the access or the resource, start with that. Like, how can I see the ball easier? How can I get my swing off easier? And see what that does to your plate discipline. See what it does to your approach. And see if that's what causes you to hit the ball harder, right? So then if we find that number – Maybe it shoots up, maybe it doesn't. But at least we know this is what you have to do to be competitive in this at-bat, to be competitive in this situation. Then we could try to build on it from there. So if I have, you know, an extended period of time, or you do, and, and you have the resources, then you can go get the, the bat speed stuff. But you have, at least you have a foundation. It's not just, well, you know, I've been gripping and ripping since I was nine, and I'm going to keep doing it. It's like, okay, well, eventually somebody's going to throw too hard, and then you'll be done playing baseball. Right, yeah. You'll get in your own head, and then – It'll be over. Right. Uh, breaking ball's too good, and yep. <laughs> that's what it is. Man, this has been awesome. I, I appreciate you coming on, man. This is always – it's always fun to, to talk with you, talk hitting, talk baseball with you. Um, and I know you're busy. You, know, you You've got – you know, you've already been hitting with the kid this morning and driving everywhere, so I, we, we appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah.